Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I hope everyone listening or watching is well. Um, and uh, for this month's episode, I was delighted to be joined by Ruben from Aruma Studios, uh, an indie studio in the north of Spain. And uh, Ruben spoke to me about his new adventure game, Intruder in Antiquonia, uh, a game which is which was just released today, uh, if everything went well, um, on July 8, 2022. Um, so the game should be available now, but... Uh, he spoke to me about the game, he spoke to me a little bit of the story, but with no spoilers, about some of the characters, uh, about what makes this game uh, setting authentic, which is set in a small fictional town in Galicia, but they've included some real things that you can only find in Galicia, and um, about uh, how they got uh, some authentic Galician music, and uh, how he created his own code for the game, and all that beside as well, about the puzzles, the gameplay, um, all the typical things. Um, and I really enjoyed speaking with Ruben. He's very easy to speak to and very easy to listen to as well. Like his passion clear, shines through in this interview. And um, the links will be in the show are in the show notes and in the description. So you can check out the game on Steam and the official website uh, if you so wish as well. So um, now here is uh, at a trailer first. Now, just a note uh, I didn't have my microphone plugged in so the sound you can still hear me but it's not as good quality as usual it's not from the microphone it's from my webcam so that's why if i sound like i'm far away uh it is because i forgot to plug in my microphone um so hopefully it won't happen again but let's face it it probably will uh but without further ado here is a trailer of intruder in antiquonia followed by my interview with uh, ruben so please enjoy So I am delighted to be joined by Ruben from Aruma Studios, uh, the developers of Intruder in Antiquonia, which is coming out in July 2022. 
so um, how are you, Ruben? How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you for inviting me, Shirsia. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, that's a <laughs> perfect pronunciation. Better than a lot of Irish people. It's almost like uh, we've practiced. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, as, as I've discussed in this podcast, pr probably one of the only questions people have is how do we pronounce your name? It's uh, because it's not pronounced the way it's spelt. Unlike Spanish words, Irish is very different. It's, uh, it's, it's a completely insane language. Um, but I'm doing very well, and thank you for joining me. As I told you before, I'm really looking forward to your game intruder in Antiquonia, and you were very kind to send me an early copy of the game, and I'm really enjoying it. And we'll, you know, for a few reasons which we will discuss now, and I'm looking forward to finding out more about the game. Uh, but first, before we get to talking about the game itself, I just wanted to ask, uh, if you could give a quick uh, introduction but to yourself, you know, what's your background and, uh, and what, uh, if any, a favorite adventure games you might have, uh, either that you played growing up or any recent games you played any. Uh, so, yeah, over to you, Ruben. So, yeah, my name is uh, Ruben Lopez. Uh, I'm from Spain. And uh, I'm a software engineer. So uh, what I do for a living, what I did for a living before getting into games was programming. <laughs> and nowadays I, I do video games full time with my wife. She joined me in this adventure. So together we built this studio, Aroma Studios, when we came back to Spain after a long period living abroad in, in Switzerland. And uh, yeah, we took this opportunity of coming back to our land to start this company together and decide to to try and do video games for a change. Yeah, yeah. well, we're, we're glad, glad you are because I said it's uh, look, looking really good. And you asked me about my favorite, favorite adventure, adventure, games. adventure this is, games. This is usually the most difficult question that uh, people tell me. I know, me I know. I Actually, I, <laughs> there is one that I think you will know because you have yourself a background in Spain and it's called uh, the Ave of Crime in Spanish, La Abadía del Crimen. I think I know and, the, uh, I think it's the Abbey in, in English. Mm -hmm. on its own. I think, yes, sorry, go ahead. So th this, is, this is a super old game. I used to play it in my Amstrad CPC with 64 kilobytes of RAM. And uh, it's not exactly a point and click adventure uh, because back then we didn't have uh, a mouse to play with a computer, but the mechanics are very similar. It's a it's the same kind of adventure with the same exploration and talking to people and etc. Right, and, and that was my first exposure to adventure games. And and I back then when my father came with his computer at home, I used to play not that many games. I was more interested in figuring out how do I do this thing, this programming thing with this computer. It had books that you could read with uh, instructions on how to program the computer. And I was trying to get a sense of how to do that. I, I was six, so I couldn't read that much, actually. I couldn't read any English. So the book that came in English, that was totally out of reach for me. <laughs> but from the other one, I could copy and paste some code and see what it did and so on. But this particular game, the Ave, that, that one hooked me for a very long time. I, I can't remember if I finished it, but I, I do remember that I did play it for a very long time. And it was a bit annoying because every time you stop playing and turn off the computer, it didn't have save games mm. so i had to start from the beginning oh, again oh <laughs> yeah that's um, yeah that's one great thing about your game that you have both manual and automatic save so thank you for that because i've mentioned <laughs> on the podcast several times that i've gave it that only have automatic saves or no saves in this case in this game 
that it's, mm -hmm. it's very frustrating. I think I might be thinking of another game that was released about 10, 10 15 years ago, maybe called called The Abbey. It was about uh, when you go literally to an abbey and has these cartoon graphics. So that's probably a different mm, game. No, the, I mean, this one was, I, I don't, if, I don't know older. if you can even call it pixel art because it was like very, very olden days. I'll, I'll have <laughs> with to the, uh, uh, check it screens. out. What, what's it called it, again? The, sorry, the, the in, Abbey of... The, the Abbey of Crime, La okay. Abadía del Crimen in Spanish. I'll have to and, check it out. Uh, it's, it's based on The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. Yes. So it's kind of the same story. Uh, but with an adventure setting and uh, yeah it was super fun I think it was my first exposure to adventures and of course from there on then the, the PC came home and the first game that came like the first adventure game that came to my PC was Monkey Island so <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Probably of it 90% of people would mention right <laughs> yeah no and I'm... then and then Loom and then Monkey 2 and so on so I, I yeah I played all of the all of the Lucas classics, also some of the Sierra ones, although those did frustrate me a little bit because yes. <laughs> uh, sometimes you get stuck and you forgot to say, oh my God, this is the Abbey of Crime all over again. I have to start from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, with the dead ends. Yeah, I don't think, in, especially the early Sierra games, I don't think they have aged quite as well. I mean, they still have some very good things about them. Uh, yeah. And I played them, you know, quite recently, some of them as well. But nowadays, if I played them, I played them with a walkthrough. Because mm -hmm. uh, I, I said before, uh, life is too short to play, especially early Sierra games, without a walkthrough. <laughs> uh, I, we just don't have time to go back with dead ends. And um, But I have to check that game out. Uh, sounds very interesting. And yeah, I believe you mentioned on the website that you played, was it Maniac Mansion with your father? Well. Yeah, uh, Maniac Mansion and Monkey Island, like all of the Lucas classics, <laughs> I... Yeah, my, my father would bring them home and we would play them together. Sometimes I would play alone and then he would play alone for a little bit and we would make progress independently and then we would get together and make progress together. Oh, lovely. I, like the part where we were playing together, that was the, the one that I loved the most because then yeah. at times he would get stuck and then I, I would figure out the solution to the puzzle and it's like, ah, I was smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these moments, being smarter than your, than your father. Oh, of course. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's so is, great. it feels so good. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> I didn't play many adventure games with my father. I played, uh, um, you know, I mean, he was always busy. I don't think he's really into games, but uh, we played a game called Road to India, which is not a very good game, unfortunately, but still I have fond memories of that game because it's one of yeah. the few games that I played with my father. But I think that might have turned him off. <laughs> I hope those developers aren't listening because I might have to replay it just to... See, but uh, before we get talking about your, your game, you said that you were programming at six years old. I, so I started I started copying and pasting code from a book into the computer and then modifying it a little bit to see what happened. I wouldn't call that wow. programming. Oh, but still, but... So you, you weren't reading, you said at six, but you were coding and you were pro <laughs> And I, I, I didn't understand the code that I was writing. I, I just knew that if I change the numbers, if I change the letters, it wouldn't work anymore. But if I change the numbers, it would do different things. <laughs> so that's wow. how I started. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's great. And then it became a program. And now you're making this game, Intruder mm -hmm. in Antiquonia. Um, yeah. So you said to you, and again, I, I love it, you know, when, when you said that you're starting with your wife. That uh, So your wife also has a passion for adventure games, does she, I presume? No, not, no, not really. Oh, she, really? No, oh. <laughs> I, I, I am the gamer in the family, but she always wanted to be an entrepreneur. 
So oh. we merged together my passion for games and her passion for her interest in becoming an entrepreneur. And we said, okay, let's put these things together. We build video games. <laughs> so she's doing the business side of it and you're doing the yeah. making the game. Oh, that's, that, that, that's great still. That's uh, so doing two mm -hmm. different sides of the business. Yeah, yeah um, totally. And then how is it working with uh, working with, with, with your wife? Uh, would you recommend it or <laughs> so far? Well, in, in our case, it's working perfectly fine. <laughs> right. Well, you know, like there are we... other examples, Laurie and uh, Corey Cole, for example, and Robert Holmes and Jane Jensen and uh, others. So, yeah. No, no, for us, it, it works really, really well. We, we I mean... Of course, I keep bringing work uh, at any random time, but she always says, okay, you just have to stop talking about work yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're having dinner now. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> no, fantastic. So she, yeah, and, yeah, and, she has a cold head and I don't. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, but it, it's, it's great to hear. And uh, so where did the name Aruma Studios come from? Are you able to tell us what it means and how you came up with that name? Yeah, so because we were coming back to Galicia, we wanted to find a name that would sound Galician. And Aruma is very similar to Arume, which is um, the, and the ash that goes when you make a fire, the ash that goes yes. up from the fire. So that's Arume, and, and that's where the, where the name came from. We, we love that word quite a bit, and we modified it a little bit to turn it into Aruma. Yeah, and, that, and it's lovely. studios in plural because I mean that's not so nice, right? We we made it studios in plural because my wife said maybe someday we do more things than just video games. So let's not restrict ourselves to <laughs> just one thing. And that's why we made it plural. Although, yeah, I don't know when <laughs> we will yeah, well, branch into other things. <laughs> yeah, well, look, you start you're starting with with the game, and who knows after the release of the game. Uh, you might branch out into into maybe films or anything or other multimedia or anything else. Yeah, um, I mean, my wife has a lot of experience in in movies. She was a uh, producer for movies, so yeah, that's something that could wow happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, very best best of luck with that. So, um, so as I mentioned, we're here to talk about Intruder in Antiquonia, uh, which, as I said, I am enjoying very much. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm enjoying it very much. Um, so I'll leave it over to you because I don't want to give any spoilers. Uh, so <laughs> I, I will put the responsibility back on you, <laughs> uh, the creator of this game. Uh, what can you tell people listening about the game, about the story and the setting uh, of the game? What can you tell us? Yeah, so uh, it's a game that is located in uh, this very particular town that's uh, inspired by the northwest of Spain, the region called Galicia. And um, in this particular town, of course, it's a fictional town. And in this town, people don't like the internet at all. And they kind of don't like uh, modern technology in general, but particularly with the internet, they have something, right? And, um, and in this setting, Sarah, who is the protagonist, is going to be found lying on, unconscious on the road that leads to Antiquonia. And then she will be found by Karim, the ambulance driver, the only one in, in town. And, uh, and then they will figure out that she has amnesia, a very specific type of amnesia that uh, doesn't let her remember her like her specific memories, but she can remember who's the president and whatnot. And, um, and yeah, and then the, the goal, the initial goal of the game is to figure out who you are, what's your past. And, uh, and then you have to solve a series of puzzles and you learn more and more information until, of course, the story will do some mm. twists 
and then it gets a bit more interesting. I think you didn't get to that part yet, so I don't want to spoil it for you either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there have been some interesting kind of, still more in the in the mystery side of it that, you know, still trying to figure out what is happening, what is going on. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I love mystery stories. I mean, a huge murder mystery fan and mystery in general. So already you got me with the mystery of who she is <laughs> uh, and what is happening. Um, but uh, but but yeah, no, I re I really enjoy the the setting as well. And we spoke about this on the podcast that now with developers all around the world, you know, not just in the United States and the UK, but from all around the world now that are releasing games to worldwide audience, that you can set games in the regions where you're from. So we had Crowns and Pawns released it a few weeks ago, set mainly in Lithuania. We I played a game Skabma. Snowfall set in uh, Finland with the Sami people. And now this game, Intruder in Antiquonia, uh, set in Galicia. Um, yep. So what is it about Galicia I really want to, I mean, I know you're from there, but what, what, what was it about Galicia that you wanted, made you want to set the game here? Are there any reasons in particular? Yeah, so we, we, we actually spoke briefly about, about this before we started the podcast. Mm. And uh, the majority of people, when they think of Spain, they think of the sunny side of Spain, the beach and the, and the warm Doro, weather and all of that. Right? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and I, I wanted to break a little bit with that and say, hey, Spain is way more than just that, right? And there's other regions that look completely different. Like if you look at the picture of Galicia, sometimes you might even think that this is Ireland, right? Yes, because it's all yes. green, it rains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like an island, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the, yeah, that's that's what, I, what we wanted to, to convey, right? That Spain is way more than just the beach and the sun and, and the resorts and all of that. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the beach and I've, I've been to those places as well. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, different things as well, you know, as I mentioned, you know, flamenco and bullfighter, but as you mentioned, there's a lot more to Spain. For example, I worked in the region right next to Galicia in Asturias, uh, where Oviedo and Gijón are. I worked there for a few, and what surprised me was that uh, they're Celts, they're, they have Celtic uh, ancestry. And they played the mm -hmm. uh, bagpipes and they wear the kilts, you know, traditional clothing. And I did not know that. <laughs> I was I was shocked. Um, and that's what I love about, about Spain as well. And then, as you mentioned, Galicia itself, uh, you know, people think of Spain, they think sun, good weather. But from my understanding of Galicia, like in, I think, uh, Asturias and then the Basque region where my uh, mom is from it's not always like that <laughs> um but uh and do we see anything in the in the game in antiquonia that might be representative of uh galicia or things that you might only find in galicia mm -hmm. yeah the, there's a few things so for once the the music is is very very inspired by galicia and there is mm. there is even a part when this there is these three old men in the main square that sing this uh, weird yes. anthem. <laughs> and actually when they sing the anthem, there is a song that starts uh, playing, which is very similar to a very traditional Galician song called Muñeira. Oh. And uh, we, in the game, it plays with different instruments. It's not exactly the same because it would be played with a bagpipe actually. And uh, we don't play with a bagpipe, we use different instruments. But yeah, it's the same kind of melody that you would have in a Muñeira. And there is also there is also a bar in town that is 
half a bar and half a grocery store. And this is super <laughs> typical of Galicia. Uh, nowadays, not so much, but I remember when I was a kid and I was growing up that we would go to, the, to buy the groceries to this place that was half bar and half grocery store. And you would just, the, sometimes it was divided and sometimes it wasn't. And ours was actually divided with uh, one of these doors, like in the Western movies that <laughs> move this way, right? Yeah. <laughs> so wow. you'd be able to go to the grocery <laughs> store and then uh, if you cross that door, you get to the bar and then there is uh, people drinking and so on. Right? <laughs> But it was all, always the same establishment doing both things, and and we capture that also in the game. Yeah, no, that's pretty pretty good. I don't think I, I've seen that in uh, when I've been to Bilbao. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's possible that they do, but uh, but yeah, no, that that's great. So you have some elements of the of the culture in Galicia in the game mm -hmm. that people can. And sorry, I, I told you before we started recording as well that it reminded me of a small town uh, where my mother's family was originally from. Uh, it's a very small town in the mountains uh, outside Bilbao called Urduña. And mm -hmm. it's rural as well. It's a very beautiful town, but I could imagine that town not having internet. That the people, <laughs> and I don't mean that, you know, disrespectfully because it's so rural. And uh, But what I like from the game that I, when I played as well, like the people in that town, even though they're traditional, a lot of older people, they're very nice. And the, what I got from the game is that the characters, you know, they're not uh, disrespectful to the main character. They're still nice. You know, the three old men uh, were very <laughs> funny. Uh, that they're, still, they're still very nice as well. Did you uh, base their characters on any characters in real life or... Was it or people not, from not, town not or... specific people, but not the specific people, but the three old men are actually kind of the standard Galician old person. <laughs> that you go, you go there, you ask them a very simple question. They can answer with <laughs> yes or no. And 15 minutes later, they're still talking and they didn't answer your question. <laughs> yes. So we uh, try to capture that in the game without going to the point that it gets annoying. But every time you go there and ask them anything, they go in rounds for a little bit before yeah. they actually say what you need to know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you captured that because for me, at least it didn't become annoying. It was, it was funny. And, and I just loved speaking with them as well. Um, and, uh, and, and then the name Antiquonia, because you mentioned that there's no internet. Uh, that uh, or, or or at least that most of the people don't want internet. I think it's probably best to say that you can still have uh, internet. Karim, for example. But uh, mm -hmm. it, what's the name Antiquonia? Because that seems you know similar to antique. Is that the coincidence, or was that uh, named in uh, so the, the name Antiquonia actually came from the writers. Uh, we we did the first version of the script and then we handed it over to professional writers who actually elevated it to the next level. And uh, they had this great idea because they used to watch a, a TV show here in Spain where they had this fictional town called Antiguonia with a G rather than a Q. Mm. And then they thought, oh, let's change the G with a Q. And then we, we go with that because they were, it was this super funny town in that in that radio show. It was this super funny town where everything weird would happen. <laughs> they thought that it was very, very fitting. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I think definitely it's very fitting. And also, I remember reading about uh, in, in Spain that there are ghost towns. So it could be similar that there are some towns that there aren't many people. That was mainly just older people. Uh, was was mm -hmm. that uh, any inspiration, or was it just? Do you can't. No, no, not no. the ghost towns. No. Okay, <laughs> maybe it's not quite <laughs> a ghost town. Um, but uh, one of the things as well as speaking about the characters, and I know we don't uh, don't want to speak too much about the characters because the whole thing is a mystery 
about who is Sara. Uh, you know, why does she have amnesia? Which I still haven't found out myself. Um, mm-hmm. But what what the other character, Karim, you mentioned. Uh, am I correct mm-hmm. in saying is that he is he is a character an immigrant or from outside of Spain? Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. he's an immigrant. He's an immigrant. Well, actually, he was born in Spain, but this yes. is this is not this is not said in the game explicitly. But we wrote like a full uh, background for each of the characters before we started writing the story to make sure that everything was consistent. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's he's he was born in Spain, but his parents are not from Spain, and that's why he's called Karim. They yeah. picked a, a name that actually comes from where he's from, uh, which is uh, Morocco. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I really like that because it, it felt more realistic. That's, mm-hmm. um, you know, more representative as well of, uh, of Spain, because when you go to Spain, you see people like Karim, who are working, you know, in, as ambulance drivers, as doctors, or as in, in shops as well, that, um, you know, it, it, it really, for me, it, it helped to, to make the game feel more realistic. Um, mm-hmm. So I personally really... I like that, but he's, he says he's from Morocco. I don't. I don't think we've. I've got. No. Well, he he, yeah. he was he was born in Spain. Well, in I thought he was born in Spain. Yes. That we, we wrote yes. for him. Yes. But yes. his parents are from from Morocco. Yeah. Yeah. So he's. Uh, yeah. No, but that's what I really liked as well. So I like you know, the characters, um, but uh, and, and the setting. So that's one of the reasons. But uh, but yeah, I don't want to say too much about the story because I I, I don't want to give anything away. Um, but uh, another thing that uh, I, I like about the game, and you mentioned as well, is that the puzzles, that there's no real moon logic, that you don't have to go, oh, wait, where did this come from um, as well? So what, what was your idea about the puzzles and integrating them into the, into the story and into the game? Um, you know, how, how did you go about trying to make them realistic and logical? Um, so again, what, what's your opinion on, on puzzles as well? Like, did you try to make them more easier or difficult? Or... Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, uh, we we try to make them not too difficult because uh, the the focus of the game is on the story, mm-hmm. but we wanted to have puzzles because we want the game to be entertaining, not just uh, you know a Windows Assistant where you do next, next, <laughs> next, <laughs> and right and. Um, what we 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 did wanted the puzzles to be integrated with the story in a way that whenever you whenever you're solving a puzzle and you think okay why am I solving this puzzle what's the meaning of solving this puzzle and and there is always some roots in the story there is always some meaning that has to do with the story you know at some point I think you already got to that point where you have to do a little bit of a scavenger hunt around the town to find a few things. And you still didn't know. You still don't know why, but there's a reason for that. There is a reason yeah. why you have to do all of that. There is a person that, <laughs> like a, mm. a black hand, so to speak, <laughs> that mm. left those things there. So you have to find them. Yeah. No. Well, I'm very, I'm very curious to find out more. Yeah. No. It. Uh, as, as you mentioned, you know, the focus was on the on the story. Um, mm-hmm. That we. Uh, that there was no point that I thought with the puzzles that, oh, you know, what, why am I doing this? Although with that puzzle that you mentioned, scavenger hunt, and I'm not usually a fan of, you know, scavenger hunts or fetch quests because I think, oh, this is just trying to make the game longer. But in this case, it felt like part of the story. It's like, mm-hmm. this, is, this will help you try and find out who you are um, yeah. as well. And so in, in, in general, what, uh, what is your opinion on, on puzzles in adventure games? Because we spoke about 
uh, well, Sierra and LucasArts and Sierra, you mentioned that you know, frustrated you and, and me as well. Um, so, because, and, and also what, what I like about Intruder and Antiquonia is the pacing that, uh, you know, if you come across, a, in my opinion, a really hard kind of illogical puzzle, it, it can kind of, it frustrates you and it kind of sometimes stop caring about the story. Like, oh God, but I never found that in Intruder and Antiquonia. So I suppose in general, what yes. is your opinion on, <laughs> Well, okay, maybe not yet. <laughs> I, I might email you if I'm stuck. <laughs> um, of course, you know, you need some challenge as well, as you mentioned. But what is your opinion in, on puzzles in general, I guess? Um, do you think that there is a place so I, 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 I like it when there is a good variety of difficulties of in, in mm. puzzles, like, because if they are all very easy, then uh, it gets boring. And if they are all very hard, mm. I would go and fetch some, uh, you know, <laughs> some, some playthrough, walk through so I can mm -hmm. finish them. So yeah, I, I like them to have this very nice balance of difficulty. And uh, I, I actually thought that we didn't achieve it in Intruder at first, but then when we did the play testing with people, they, I was checking with them how they felt about the balance and, and they all coincide on, on that, that they had this very nice balance of some difficult, some easier, and that, that, that was nice. So yeah, I, I guess we, we made yeah, it at least sure. for the people who did the playthrough. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. And so far, I mean, I am, terrible usually a puzzle it's very difficult but I, I liked how it felt natural when the characters would give each other advice um mm -hmm. that it came across as natural as well uh so yeah, we, we try to make sure that also there is uh at least one or two hints for each mm -hmm. of the puzzles so if you if you get stuck you can always go around and explore and then you will find a hint or two that will help you move in the right direction so because otherwise you will have to reach for the walkthrough and i I don't yeah. want that to happen. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. So, so, some some games, I suppose, would have an in-game hint system, but then other developers are very against that. They're saying no, that that will take people out of the game. Uh, now, I, I'm very happy to see that your game also has a hotspot highlighter, and you can pause again. Thank you for that. That is uh, <laughs> something that most games still don't have, and I'd like, please, we we get we get the door or the phone rings or anything. But, um, yeah. So I, I have to say that many of the things you're thanking me for weren't there on the first version. But oh, really? After the play <laughs> testing with people, we learned, oh yeah, we need this and we need that because it's useful to them. And yes, we I mean, it's, it's, it's not a game breaker at all for me because I played many games without, but I think it really does help also for accessibility and that. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, what, what would your thoughts be on, um, on an in-game hint system, for example, or the hotpot highlighter? Because I know some people are for them, other developers are very much against them. They say that it takes away the immersion from, from the game. So what have you found, even with the playtesters, um, what has been the reaction? So, no, none of them asks for an uh, for a hint system for an inline hit hint system. So I think that's, that's good. good. <laughs> Maybe they didn't get so yeah. stuck that they would need it. Um, but I have to say that our previous game, uh, which is called Quantum Derail, this one had an inline hint system. Oh, okay. And uh, and and the problem is that we didn't advertise it very well, and people confused that with a regular mechanic of the game. So you had there, there was this character. And you could bring him or her because you never know if uh, her gender. You could bring <laughs> peanuts to that character, and uh, when when you when you wanted like hints more advanced in the game, you have to give give more peanuts. Like at some point, you have to give something like uh, I don't know, 30 peanuts. Right. And you could 
and you could get those pinets by talking to another character. And it was like a kind of a grind, grindy process to get each pinet. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, okay, if I do it that way, people will think twice before using this. Mm. No, 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 no. Some people actually got all their peanuts multiple times <laughs> and then complained that this mechanic was awful. It's like, it's not a mechanic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's optional. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, but, but, but I do like how that, uh, you know, you at least try to put sort of, you know, not make it easy to get uh, in-game hints that, uh, you know, try and say, okay, it's there if you want it, but at least, you know, try and do it yourself first. <laughs> Yeah, um, you have to work for it. <laughs> exactly. No, that's 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 what I like as well. That if it's too easy, it's like, oh, here's the in-game hint system, or but but yeah, and I'm someone who likes in-game hint systems, but then it's like, oh yeah, no, but I, you know, it's probably best to work for it as well. But um, yeah, but I I personally don't use the inline hint systems. What I remember when I played Thimbleweed Park, that yes. uh, there was once that I got stuck and I didn't know how to make progress, mm. and uh, I could use the hint system. It's like, oh my god, I'm so lazy to use that phone. I will just find a walkthrough and figure it yes, out. Yes, <laughs> I, I was the same. I was like, oh, I don't want to call this person, and uh, <laughs> and then just uh, I just use a walkthrough if I was stuck as well. But uh, oh, and another thing that I like in the game as well because uh, a lot of times there are references, you know, to Monkey Island and us, and but in this game there is a reference to a modern game which actually hasn't come out yet. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but I really like that. Um, mm. I, I don't know if you want to say, or shall we just wait for people to? <laughs> well, which which preference? I'm not sure that it's I did it on the, purpose. It's in the in the shop in the bar shop in Galicia. Oh the <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, there is a reference to Lucy Dreaming. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> no, I really, really like that. It's like because it's like yeah, we've all we've all seen references to Monkey Island and to LucasArts, but personally, I want to see more references to modern adventure games. And I think it's also a nice support for other developers. And I really like mm -hmm. that um, as well for Tom Hardwich, if he's listening or watching, mm -hmm. that uh, I'm looking forward to his game as well. Um, he's, he's very well aware. He chose it actually, because- Oh, did he? <laughs> uh, yeah, at some point we decided to make um, uh, kind of a contest and uh, the winner of the contest would get their picture in the bar. Yeah, oh, I, I love that. A picture yeah. of, their, of their liking, right? They could choose the picture as long as they had the rights to it. And Tom was the winner because he's in our newsletter. He's mm. one of the people who reads it the weekly. And he participated along with everybody else and he was the winner. And then he chose uh, that that picture of Lucy's Dreaming for the poster. <laughs> wow, well, no, I, I love it as well because it is, uh, you know, a nice uh, promotion for other developers as well. That doesn't take away from the game, but... Um, but, but yeah, no, I really uh, like that. And um... there, there is another reference actually to our previous game, to Quantum Derail. Oh, really? And oh, wow. that, that is the Bitcoin. At some point you get a physical Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, okay. that's a reference. That's a reference to Quantum Derail because in that game, we also had as a joke, a, a physical Bitcoin. Okay, now I'll have to check that. Is, is that game available online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can play it for free. It's on itch.io. Okay, I have to check it out. Um, but no, that's that's fantastic. And then another thing I liked about this this game are the graphics. That they, they look you know really nice, and I loved um, the portraits as well of the characters. That uh, you know the different facial reactions. So uh, I wonder if you could tell us uh, what um, you know for, again for anyone interested, what uh, engine you used and what um, and and how would you describe the graphics? How did you go about 
uh, creating these uh, these portraits and these graphics. So first of all, what engine did you use to make the game? Um, it's our own engine. We have a oh, custom you engine. That, yeah. You create the engine yourself? Mm -hmm. Oh wow! We built it for <laughs> we built it back in the day for this other game, Quantum Derail, which was just a toy project. And uh, and when we came here and we decided to make our own game, I explored the alternatives and I thought that actually uh, our engine would give us some uh, advantages in some areas, especially on testing. So we decided to stick with our own custom engine. Very nice. We, and how, we have yeah. we have to improve it quite a bit because uh, <laughs> Quantum Derail is a much simpler game. <laughs> But still, oh, that's yeah. that's great. And how how did you find using your your own engine for the game? Do you think that it's uh, that it really helped, or would you prefer to use maybe Unity or Unreal Engine, or what are the benefits to using your your own engine? So the main benefit is I know the code inside out, and if I need anything at all, I don't know, I don't need to go to forums, ask people, or anything. I just <laughs> go there and code it. <laughs> I, I, I still right. have to find one feature that I miss that takes me more than a couple of hours to implement. So yeah, it's really really fast. But that's that's because I I already wrote this engine like uh, four years ago, I think, and uh, and I've been iterating on it a lot. I know it very 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 well. So. It, it's very easy for me to make changes and, and improve things and have new features. Cool. And do you have any plans maybe on if anybody else wanted to use the same engine for their game or has anybody asked you to if they wanted to use that? Uh... Not yet, no. <laughs> uh, we'll see maybe after after Intruder they will ask. I don't know. Uh, it, it is it is not written in a way that is very easy for other people to use. It's written in a way mm. that works for my games, the way I like to make them. Like the inventory, it's only one way, and you know the conversation system only works in one way. And the right. other engines have like multiple choices that you can pick from because they have to cater to all these different developers. So I, uh, in in that sense, it's not ready for prime time. But uh, I mean, if there is interest, I could look at the options, of course. Yeah, it could be one of the other uh, things your wife mentioned that are in the studios. You never know. Uh, you never you know. Now, you mentioned as well about the music in the game that is typical Galician music. So how did you get the music? Did you find the mu any musicians or did you get it online? Or how did you, you know, choose which music and get the music for the game? Yeah, so we, on, on that regard, we were very, very lucky because my wife used to work in, in movies and mm. she knew a very good musician from Galicia. So we contacted him and this is the first time he's making a, a video game. And he was super excited to learn how to adapt the music to video games. And, and he did his uh, homework before starting to do the music. So that was very useful. And, and yeah, it was super cool actually working with him. And, and it was very easy to communicate with him as well. I don't know, I don't know why, but it was super easy. I, maybe because he's also a teacher. Mm. And then, so he's very used to communicating with people who don't have, don't have a, uh, like a deep a musical knowledge. And, and that maybe it made it easier, but it was super easy to communicate with him, explain the mood that we wanted for the music and what we wanted to convey on each scene and so on. And yeah, oh, it was super nice. fast. So it was easy to work with him and to tell him what he wanted and he mm -hmm. gave you the music. Oh, that's fantastic. Like, I, I don't remember a single music in which we needed more than two revisions. Like, wow. it was like really, really good. <laughs> and, and what's the name of the musician? Uh, so He's... Juan Ramón Salgueiro. 
Oh, very nice. Juan Ramon Salgado. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, cool. Um, and does he have any website that you know of or if you wanted to hear his music or if not, uh, don't worry. <laughs> he, he has a YouTube channel. I can uh, send you the link if you want afterwards. Yeah, sure. I'll put it in the show notes and in the description if mm -hmm. anybody is interested. Uh, cool. And now just going back of the story. Now, I don't know if you can answer this, if it's a spoiler, <laughs> but uh, so it's, it's a mystery kind of drama. Uh, is there, were there any inspirations? So from any other stories, any uh, books or movies or TV series, or would that itself be a spoiler if you mentioned <laughs> the inspirations? Uh, so how did you come up um, with the idea of this mystery? In a way, yes. So I I like the I like a lot the storytelling of Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, and oh, yes. uh, although there aren't that many parallels between our story and Indiana Jones, the way of telling the story uh, I try to to kind of capture the same style of storytelling. And actually, when we talk to the professional writers. They say, okay, do you have any reference of some storytelling style that you want? And we say, yes, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. And they actually got the game and played it through before oh, wow. starting to work on the on the script. <laughs> wow. So the so yeah, so you got uh, you mentioned there that you got professional writers. Um, mm -hmm. uh, kind of because uh, that that's one of the things with uh, you know with some games that I play, and I think you can tell, like you can tell that they're very passionate, but. I've always said maybe they could have got some, you know, if they could afford some professional writers or game writers, even to just go through the script and to help them, you know. Um, so what, what was the process for you when you chose? How did you choose uh, the professional writers? Were they game writers or were they writers for TV? Or how did you go about finding these people? Yeah, so again, my wife knew them because they worked together in the past. Contacts. <laughs> he has a lot of contacts. That, that's so useful. <laughs> and and yeah, they, they have experience in, in movies and TV. And also they did a video game before ours as well. And uh, so yeah, what we did is we had our first kind of rough story with some of the puzzles and, and so on. And we gave it to them. And then from there, the first thing they did was to write a full backstory, like what happened before to Saga oh. and the other characters up to that point. And when we approved that part, which is of course not seeing in the game, then they started polishing the rest of the script. But we have that thing as an anchor to make sure that everything was consistent. And also if at some point we want to write a, you know, a prequel, <laughs> we already have it. Yeah, wow. That's... <laughs> and uh, so uh, you said that they, they worked in another game. Which other game do, do you know if the, that they worked on? Or... I don't remember the name, sorry. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. I was just curious. Uh, but no, that's fantastic. What, what is it like working with? Do you recommend maybe other developers or anyone else uh, to if they can work with professional writers to do so? Or how is your experience? Yeah, yeah I think it was super, super easy to work with them. They, they have a very like a very professional way of working with uh, different stages that they first deliver this prequel and then they, they give you a first kind of rough script already polished from what you have. And then on top of that, they added themselves some of the, some of the puzzles okay. uh, with, with a little bit of help from me. And then they added another part with the dialogue at the end. So it, it was actually kind of cool to work with them. Cool, yeah, to get different ideas, different perspectives. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very nice. And then um, now in the game as well, there uh, there is no voice acting, which is not an issue for me. I 
uh, because I think, you know, first thing as we spoke with is writing. <laughs> um, and so do, do you think that uh, it's, uh, you know, what is your opinion on, on voice acting? Do you think uh, that, that, you know, it's okay, obviously for games with no voice acting, because I believe the developer of Bertram Fiddle, he worked with voice acting, but then he said that it was just too expensive and too time consuming, and he didn't think that his game needed it, that it was just huge amount of work that he and I could be misquoting him but I believe he said that that uh so what what is your opinion um about this as now working on this game so the the very first version of our budget had voice acting included but uh once we started asking for quotes it was clear that we couldn't afford it <laughs> right. we had at some point we look at the budget and we had to choose between doing the backgrounds or doing the voice acting <laughs> It's like, okay, we can live without voice acting, not so much without backgrounds. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately we had to take it out. But what we did to compensate, you alluded to it before, is to add all these uh, emojis on the faces of the characters mm. as they are talking. Because um, actually the writers were also counting on voice acting and they wrote the script in, in a particular way, counting that the motion would be given by the voice actors. So when we decided to drop voice acting, they said, okay, now we need something mm. to convey the emo uh, emotion. Otherwise we have to rewrite the script. Mm. So that's why we went with these emojis to, to convey the emotion and, and bring a little bit of the voice mm. acting back. I, I think, I mean, from playing many other adventure games, I think the voice acting is super important and it gives another dimension to the game. Sure. It gets you so much into the game. But yeah, uh, in this in this one we couldn't afford it. I hope on the next one we will be able to afford it. Oh, we shall see. Now, on the other hand, uh, bad voice acting can really bring a game down. So, right, um, it happened with uh, you know with one of the demos that I played, which I, I won't mention. But the, you know, it was fun. But then the voice acting, for example, there was a character who was British, and it's mm -hmm. obvious that uh, the voice actor was not British. <laughs> Um, and I was just, oh, I think it'd be better without voice acting in this case, unless the voice actors are very good and can do like either convincing accents or from the place, then yeah, I think you made the right decision. But yeah, hopefully, and if uh, Intruder Antiquity does, does very well and you have a budget, then would you consider putting in voice acting in this game or maybe putting it in the next game instead? So adding it back to Intruder, I don't think so. But yeah. if we get good results, the next game will definitely have voice acting, yes. Oh, well, here's ho hoping. Now, you mentioned about the backgrounds then as well. I don't know how, if I asked that, because we talked about the game engine. Uh, but how did you create the, the backgrounds? Did you draw them yourself, or did you do it using a computer? So it's done with a computer, but I don't do them myself because I, I really suck at drawing. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so, <me. laughs> so we hired a talented artist to do that. So we actually have a, a very interesting setup. Uh, we have artists from all over the world, and they are most of them are not Galician. So we do have an art director who's a friend of ours who is from Galicia, and he's actually coordinating all the art artists so that they have this very consistent style and also a style that reminds you of Galicia. So yeah, the, the background artist is from Singapore and uh, well, she's never been to Galicia, but because we have this great art director, he was able to guide her towards this very cool style. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no, the, the backgrounds do look fantastic. So I think, you know, job well done. Um, Thank you. Yeah, ge genuinely. And then 
now talking about uh, you know getting to work because there are right now there are so many games and so many adventure games that I know you help each other promote each other, but I guess it can be hard to get the word out. Uh, so how, how have you gone about marketing? I mean, apart from appearing on you know, interviews and podcasts, but how, how else um, have you gone about marketing and any advice for maybe any other developers that, you know, what you've been doing that you think has been working well? Yeah, so for us, what's working best is social media, specifically Twitter. Mm. We tried also Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, even a bit of Reddit, but the one that is working best consistently is, is Twitter. My, my impression is that we don't know how to Instagram properly and that we should <laughs> learn because there has, to be, there has to be a way, <laughs> but we don't know how to do it yet. Yeah, I, I don't either. I mean, I, I really should put up more posts, but it's just, for me, it's just so time consuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so for Twitter, what we do is on, on Monday, we have a meeting, Sylvia, my wife and I, we have a meeting and we, we, we plan the social posts for the entire week. And then, uh, well, in, in the past, <clears throat> sorry, in the past, it, it, it was me scheduling, not, well, not like posting all, all the posts throughout the week. And now she's actually managing social media as well, because I have a ton of work with all the other stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she turns, to, she turns to actually schedule them. We use TweetDeck. And with that, you can schedule them across the week. So then you, have, you don't have to be there every yeah, single yeah, day, yeah. pressing the button and copying the contents and so on. And uh, yeah, that's working quite well for us. And, and that's our main source of traffic. Then we have, the, we have a newsletter and that's actually working amazingly well. It's very tiny. We have, I think last time we had 250 subscribers or something like that, but they are super loyal people. Like yeah. uh, we post there once a week and like over half of them read uh, each of the posts uh, over time. Of course, all of them end up reading mm. some. <laughs> yeah. And then whenever we ask them to help us with something, they just run and do it. I remember I remember when we put out the Steam page and we told them and we asked them, hey, could you whistlist the game for us? Because, you know, visibility, Steam and so on. And we got something like 70 Weasleys <laughs> all coming from the newsletter. It's like, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, that, that's the thing. So even though you said that there is that 250 people read the newsletter, uh, they will get the word out to other yeah. people, you know, their friends and their followers on social media. It's, uh, because there's um, other developers who appeared on a, did an interview, I think, on YouTube. With, uh, and these people, I think they only had a few followers. And... Uh, but what the developer said was that, hey, look, it's still, you know, promoting the game. Even say if that has five followers, if they listen and watch the interview, they could tell another five people. And if they mm -hmm. like to him too, they could tell another five. So that's what they said that they thought that, you know, we don't want you to just appear on interviews that have like uh, thousands of listeners. That sometimes even a small amount can help make it bigger. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the newsletter is not just about marketing. Another thing mm -hmm. I love about the newsletter is that, uh, I mean, all these people are kind of walking the walk with me, right? Because yes. every single week I'm telling them about what I'm doing. And I, every week or, or maybe every other week, some of them reply and they, they, they give me words of encouragement and so on. And, and that's super cool. It's like, yeah, wow. fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's great. And another another thing that he did was he released a demo, which I played mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed, and that helped 
you know, make me more interested in the game or excited <laughs> for the game. Um, and I just think for a narrative game, and I've asked other developers this as well, how do you go about releasing a demo, you know, that you, you ensure that there aren't any spoilers? So some developers I know have a prologue that's not part of the main game, but then that's, of course, extra work. Um, mm -hmm. I guess most probably have the beginning of, uh, of the game. So how did you guys go about deciding what to include in the demo? And do you think it worked? So, yeah, we... So I, I will start by saying that we do have a post-mortem document that, where we add all the bad ideas that we had and all the mistakes <laughs> we made. And there is a section for the demo there. Oh, really? <laughs> and the reason, yeah, the reason is that we, we failed to account for the demo when we were writing the script. And that was a mistake because when, when we decided, okay, we want to put out the demo, it was already too late. The, the, the script was closed. We already have half of the game implemented and so on. And it's like, okay, so now what do we do, right? A prequel is not possible because a prequel would actually um, like reveal who case, Sarah is. Yeah. <laughs> it would be the spoiler. <laughs> it would be a huge spoiler. So a, a prequel is not a possibility or unless we make it so far in the past that we need all new backgrounds and so on and mm. we didn't have production budget for that. So we said, okay, we have to do the beginning of the game. And, and then the problem is that uh, from the beginning of the game, there is a point in which you suddenly open three puzzles in parallel, the scavenger mm. hand that yes, we were yes, talking about yeah. before, right? So we said, okay, what do we do? Do we include the puzzles in the demo or not? And the thing is, if we include the puzzles in the demo, it's like half of the game in the demo. <laughs> and if, well, we don't yes. include, if we don't include these puzzles in the demo, the demo doesn't have pretty much any puzzle except for talking to people, which is not very puzzly, right? So in the end, we went for the latter and didn't include any puzzle in the demo. And I think this is not good, not doing a very good service mm. to the game because some people might play the demo and say, ah, there is no puzzles. I don't want this game. So yeah, we need to do better the next time. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely understand because when I played the demo, I, you know, when I was playing this game, I was like, oh, I don't, I think this is still the same part of the demo, but I don't remember this puzzle. Um, mm. But at least for me, as I said, and I know some people, I have read some people saying, oh, there should be some puzzles in the demo. But as you said, there were, the other issue is, well, that's a spoiler by itself. Because I think a demo should maybe give you an idea of our taste mm -hmm. of what the game. And I think that, I mean, you speaking about things that didn't go so well. What I would say is that for me, at least, what did uh, you did well in the demo is you gave a taste of what the game was like, even though that puzzle wasn't there. But we got to mm -hmm. meet the characters and the setting and you know, kind of got to explore. And after the demo, I was like, oh, okay, so I've got an idea of what to expect. And of course, the whole game, I'm sure there'll be surprises, but I think it worked uh, well for me. What, uh, and you got ideas, you know, how to, uh, what to include in the game, like the hotspot. Did you get that from the demo or from, was that previous before that? About, uh, oh, actually, hotspot? yeah, mo mo most of those ideas to improve things that uh, you said are good ideas, but were yeah. there in the beginning. <laughs> we detected them when we were doing the, the testing round for the demo. Oh, okay. Okay, so it worked out in the end, at least, you know, for me and uh, for the full game, so... Yeah, uh, and so what, one of them is actually the uh, automatic save games plus manual yes. save games. In the very first version, we only had the automatic ones. Oh, well, I'm and, happy you and had then, the manual. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody, somebody asked, hey, why don't you have manual save games? And then we were asking people around, okay, what do you think about these? What do you think they're useful for? And many people came with this very reasonable use case, which is, 
I like to play the game with my family and each of us might be in a different point in the game. That's true. So it's annoying that we have only automatic sessions. Mm. And this, of course, yes. And then I remember playing with my father the games and I said, no, 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 this has to be there. <laughs> yeah, no, that is very true. I mean, in my case, I like to, if, you know, I get interrupted, if there's a, you know, if I get a phone call, I have to go somewhere or if I want to finish the game, and you know, go to bed or do something. I don't want to like go to a certain point that the game tells me. I want to say, okay, at this point, I you know, I would like to finish. You know, like reading a book. It's like I sometimes I don't wait until I finish a chapter. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. midway through the chapter, okay, I'm too tired. So that's why I personally like Manny was saying. But I have heard it can be difficult to implement at times, you know, for coding reasons and that. So uh, were there any issues implementing the manual saves on your end? Not at all. Oh, no, that's the good. Were very, very easy. The way we wrote the engine, it was very easy. We we can actually save at any any point in time, even during cinematics and everything. We can save at any moment. It, it, there is Perfect. no problem. Well, well, then I think everybody should use your your engine. <laughs> no excuses and not to include manual saves. <laughs> so um, actually, we we got this piece of feedback from somebody playing the game asking, "Hey." I don't see any saving indicator in this on the screen, so I don't know when the game is saving. I say, don't worry, it's saving all the time. It's always saved. Okay, no, that, that's <laughs> so good. you don't have to worry. And they say, oh, maybe you should set say so, that somewhere, right? And then I put this on the initial screen that tells you the keys and so on, and it has this uh, message at the bottom saying, don't worry, you don't have to save. It's saved all the time. <laughs> no, that's that's really good to hear because another uh, issue is if it's automatic saves only, and if there's Say if there's a bug or anything, or you have to quit and then you have to replay uh, the same again, which is, and I haven't come across any bugs in your game. It's, uh, I have to say that as well. Um, thank you. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, I suppose, um, I mean, you've, you, you've given a lot of advice, I suppose, but how, did you learn anything from your first game when making Intruder and Antiquoni? You've mentioned how you've improved uh, the game already from feedback and uh, you know for the demo. Uh, is there anything? Are there anything that you learned from the first game uh, for the that you're making Intruder into Quonia, or have you covered them already? <laughs> oh yeah, there, there is something that uh, I learned that was super valuable, and it wasn't totally obvious to me at the beginning. So when when we tested the demo, the way we tested it was we send the demo to people, they play on their own time and schedule, and then they send feedback back to us, right? And then when we saw some people playing the demo online through YouTube, Twitch, and so on, we actually found bugs, right? Oh. Seeing them playing, we found bugs that they weren't even aware that those were bugs <laughs> in the game. So we thought, okay, maybe we did it wrong. And for the full game, we're going to change things. So for the full game, what we did is we chose fewer people but we did a session like this one with them. So a video conference where they would be playing the game, sharing the screen. And so we could see how they play, ask questions as they play and, and so on. And actually we, from only five people, we collected 300 bucks. Wow. Mo most of them weren't told by the players. We, so there are, these are bugs that we detected that they didn't even realize. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> they, some of them they would eventually realize later, <laughs> but okay, at the time okay. when they happened, <laughs> they didn't notice. So it was super, super useful. And especially being able to ask questions like, for example, what do you think the goal of the game is right now? 
uh, which puzzle are you trying to solve? Why, why are you trying to combine this thing with that thing? Those kind of things gave us a lot of insight in how people think about the puzzles and so on, and gave us a lot of information to improve the puzzles and make sure that all the combinations that people think are reasonable were supported and would do something uh, reasonable as well. Yeah, fantastic. So try. So everything. yeah, for. <laughs> so for me, that yeah, the the, the biggest advice is. Uh, if you can do playtesting live, either with people next to you or over video conference, but do playtesting live, seeing people play, asking them questions is so useful. Yeah, no, fantastic. Now I tell developers is don't just go by what I do because I do some incredibly stupid things. And at times I can't, I cannot solve, you know, some puzzles, even if they're very obvious. It happened in Adventure X that I was playing this game and I just couldn't, progress and then the developer told oh you have to open the journal but um no but i see you're stuck here so you know i'll take note of that and i said don't just go by what i did or didn't do. <laughs> that if there if if everybody else has no problem then it can safely say that's not an issue it's my end um but yeah no it's it's, it's interesting it's, it's to see how people uh, react um to the game um and so where, where will the game be released uh so it's on Steam, uh, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Is there uh, is there That's anywhere correct, else? Yeah. yeah. Are you any plans to release? So I, I was. We're considering uh, if it's worth releasing as well on HIO because our previous mm. game was also released there, and I think it would be a, a nice addition. We are still figuring out how to do it for Mac because Mac on Steam mm. just works, but on because they use the Steam launcher and so on. But for HIO, I think we need to sign the executable, something like that. So it's a little bit of a mess. We have yeah. to figure that out. Worst, worst case, maybe we can release only for Windows and Linux on itch.io, which is not ideal, but yeah. it's an option. And uh, and GOG, well, we talking to other developers, they always say, yeah, if you ask them to add your game, they will say no. If you wait a little bit, they will call you. <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll wait for them. Okay, yeah, I've, I've seen other developers of games that look really good. And it's been the opposite, that GOG have said yes, and then it said, we love the game. And then afterwards, developers, so you love the game, can the game be on GOG? And then they come back and say, uh, no. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. So, so what, what we are doing to make up for that is that even though we are releasing on Steam, the game does not have DRM. So okay. after you download it, you go to the folder of the, of the game and you just copy it whenever you want or run it from there. You don't need the Steam launcher to run it. Of course, oh. if you don't run it from the Steam launcher, you don't have achievements, but uh, yeah. at least you can play it whenever you want. Oh, yeah, fantastic. So you have the choice at least. That's really good to hear. Yeah. And do you plan, would you like to release it on uh, other, a Switch or anything or just PC for the moment? It would be awesome <laughs> to launch on the Switch, but first we need to recover some of the investment on PC so we can <laughs> afford going for the Switch as well. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so now after Retreater and Antiquaria, which uh, is being released on July 8th, I believe, so probably it might be after yeah. the time this episode goes out. Um, but are you able to say uh, if you have any future plans? Uh, I know it might be too early to say specifically, um, but do you have any other ideas for any other games or maybe other like movies like with that your wife was involved in or mm -hmm. and anything else um, after Intruder and Antiquodia? Yeah, as you say, there is nothing specific yet, mm. but uh, well, there is 
something specific and then many oh. things that are not very specific. So the specific thing is, uh, I know that the writers have already a sequel in mind and oh. they would love to write it. So that's one thing. Uh, but yeah, we don't know for sure if that's the option we will go with. And then we have a few ideas for other games, some of them based on Galicia, some of them not. And uh, we have to figure out. I mean, if Intruder in Antiquania works great and people want a sequel, that's, I mean, we have to do that, of course. Yeah, oh, I, <laughs> but, I hope uh, so. In other case, maybe we'll find another option. We'll see. Yeah, or, or a prequel, maybe you mentioned. <laughs> As well, yeah. <laughs> Oh no! Well, I, I really hope so. As I said, I'm really enjoying the game so far, and um, and I suppose I wanted to to ask you. Obviously, without giving away, uh, how did you? Because the thing about mystery stories is that uh, you know they live and die by you know the revelations maybe at the end. That you know if uh, if it's maybe if people don't buy it, then it's you know like murder mysteries as well. If people don't buy the revelations, the ending. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, so how did you? I suppose it might be difficult to answer at giving spoilers, but how, how do you think, okay, yeah, this will work, you know, the revelations uh, of the of the mystery. How did you go about thinking, yeah, no, this this will work. People will uh, will like this. Uh, did you, again, was it a lot of testing with people then as well? As I said, I don't know if you can answer that without giving spoilers, but. So it's hard to answer for me because yeah. uh, the, the professional writers are the ones who thought right. that part right. out. But what I do know is that writing this sequel before writing the rest of the script, uh, rewriting the rest of the script, that was key to having everything hooked into that, uh, into that sorry, pre prequel. I, I meant the prequel. Mm. So having that gives you a hook so that everything refers to the prequel and everything is consistent. And so when people find the revelations, everything makes sense in okay. context. But other than that, I, I couldn't tell you how the writers <laughs> made it so that things are consistent and make sense and people buy them. <laughs> yeah, sure. But yeah, the, the, during the testing, we didn't get any any complaint about the story not being believable. So that, that's Okay, that's, sign, I guess. that's a very good sign. Um, so did you have the ending in mind uh, when you first wrote the story? Did you have the revelations or there, were there changes made with the professional writers? So on, on our very first story, we have maybe 90% of the story written, but I, I couldn't write the ending. I didn't know how to do that. So the professional writers are the ones who figured that part out. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, look, a lot of writers do that. So Stephen King, famously, he writes as he, as he goes along. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, but yeah, no, fa fa fantastic. Um, and so my final question is, where, where can people find, you know, I will include links in the show notes and in the description mm -hmm. on, on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, just for people listening and watching, uh, where, where can people find, if you want to find out more about the game and mm -hmm. uh, yourselves, where can people find you? So if you search for Antiquonia on, on the internet, on Google or any other search engine, there is nothing else with that name, so you're going to find There's us for not, sure. No it's, hard to, <laughs> it's hard to spell, but the good thing is that nothing else is named that way. <laughs> Otherwise, you can search for Aruma Studios on typical social networks, except for TikTok. We are not doing TikTok. We don't know how to. <laughs> yeah. And then you will find us there. No, I, I'm the same. I mean, I can barely use social media as it is, but TikTok. I, I think that just passed me by. <laughs> um, but uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Ruben. I've uh, I've we've wanted to speak to you since I heard about the game, and 
Um, it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to mention uh, that we haven't mentioned uh, before? Is there two people listening or watching or anything at all that you'd like to say? Well, maybe just a final call to action. If you have mm. time, please try our demo. And if you like what you see, put us in your wish list. Yeah, that's the thing. Wish list again. That's what uh, <laughs> keep reminding people. It's very important, uh, I hear, to wish list a game on Steam. Um, that it really, really helps the developers out. So, uh, well, look, I, I sincerely hope the game does do well because I'm really enjoying what I'm playing so far. And based on reaction of other players, I'm sure I'll enjoy it uh, up until the end. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to speak to me. I had a great time finding out more about, as I said, from my you know personal experiences in in Spain as well. It's uh, great to have a game set in uh, in Spain, a kind of a recognizable part of Spain. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But um, but thank you so much, Ruben. I had a great time and had a very very best of luck with the launch of the game. Thank you so much as well. It was super fun talking to you and I enjoyed this time a lot. Thank you. So that was my interview with Ruben from Aruma Studios. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening or watching to it as well. Um, I had a great time speaking with Ruben and I hope you enjoyed uh, the interview as much as I enjoyed uh, interviewing him and speaking with him. And as I said at the intro, the game is out now on Steam so you can Click the link in the description or the show notes if you wanted to buy the game. You can also find out more about the game on its website. But I really encourage people to check the game out. I'm really enjoying what I'm playing so far. And, uh, and yeah, you can check it out on Steam. And uh, so next time I'll be back with Laura and Thomas as we'll be discussing the latest adventure games that we've been playing, including Intruder and Antiquodia. I will hopefully have finished by then. And uh, I will be reviewing that game, followed by all the other games that we have been playing. So uh, thank you, as always, for your support, for listening and watching. Feel free to share and subscribe below on YouTube and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. And, um, um, and yeah, so that is it then. So thank you, as always, for your support. Take care, everyone. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>the adventure games podcast then please subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts please leave a review on itunes if you can as every review helps and reviews will help get the word out especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast now you can also follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are an adventure game developer or adventure game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you
Thank you.